Did you know Thomas Jefferson received a 1,200 pound block of cheddar cheese for his presidential inauguration? That a 17th century pope spent $25,000 on sugar sculptures for a single banquet? Can you tell me exactly why was Marie Antoinette so hung up about cake? Medievalist and food historian Laura Carlson brings you The Feast, a podcast where meals make history. Let Laura take you on a culinary journey to the past. Find out how food and drink has changed the course of history from royal banquets to revolutionary lunch counters. What ancient and medieval foods are lurking in your kitchen cabinet? Discover the histories behind your favorite recipes from tofu to ketchup to beer. Join Laura Carlson on The Feast, brought to you by Podglomerate. Because food is just history on a plate. Dig in. Another stop of the Michaud Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. I'm your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, and I am joined by... Yo, what's up, Holla, your boy? This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And on this stop of the mission... We gobble, gobble, gobble! Our post-Thanksgiving stop... Gobble, 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 gobble! We will be spending some time... With 1978's Super Soul Brother, a.k.a. the $6,000 nigger. The choice of, believe it or not, Lynn Webb. (laughs) (laughs) Let the record show, I didn't choose this. I didn't have enough turkey (laughs) for Thanksgiving. But before we get into all of that, we got letters, Vince. We got All emails. Right. Good. I feel like I've, I've missed folks. I know. It's been a while. How, I know. Before we get into the emails, how was your holiday? My Vince? holiday was lovely. Running around family to family. You yeah. know, I, I told you my dad had a bit of a health scare, but but he's on the men. So, That's cool. So that was the spice <laughs> added to the meat. But but no, it was good. It was good. How about yours? Mine was good as well. I was went from... Family, the family, the family, had a good time, and then came home. And then on Friday, Twana made the house's Thanksgiving dinner. Don't you love that? Which meant that I had some of her delicious homemade stuffing. All right. Yes, it's the only stuffing I that know. I I know. I was wondering if you ate it again. So. Yes, I did. All right. And, I've, and this year, because I, I don't think I did this last year. But this year, while her stuffing is delicious and I can eat it on her, on its own, but this year I purposefully mix it on my plate with the macaroni and cheese. Oh my goodness! Oh, this must be heaven. Ah, <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving. Mm. Yum, yum, yum. That's yum. all right. I hope you all enjoyed your Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen. You had a good time with your family and you are safe and sound in the confines of your earbuds listening to the Michaud Mission right now. We have emails, Vince. All right. We have an email from Monique Gramby. Hey, Monique. I'm a new listener, highly recommended by 
Hilliard, and Chris of Screenwriters Rant Room and a fan. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Screenwriters Rant Room, and thank you for listening, Monique. Thank you very much. Just wanted to add my two cents about your TED Talk on Tiffany Haddish versus Leslie Jones Ah, during your Set It Off podcast. Yes, yes, yes. That was a very interesting conversation. Yes, it was. Some of your listener comments struck a serious nerve with me. Okay. Being a semi-retired black character actress. Okay. By that I mean I grew tired of accepting available roles and started creating needed roles. I know that's right. But I digress. The train of thought that black actresses still need to be acceptable and not be ghetto or ratchet is undermining the whole goal, Mm -hmm. which is to present the many facets of who we are. Just as there's room for the Tyler Perry's and Lee Daniels, Tiffany Haddish is an incredibly talented, authentic, layered actress that will continue to amaze beyond her comedic roots. Leslie Jones is talented in her own right. It's unfortunate that she's pigeonhole because she doesn't fit squarely into the Hollywood beauty mold. I can fully relate to that dilemma only being allowed slash prevented based on that mold. But the key is taking that, turning and turning it into your own and capitalizing on it, which is what Leslie Jones has been able to do after decades in the business. But, but we can't but what we can't do is complain about how there aren't any opportunities for black actresses and when the opportunities to arise then demonize how they made center stage the sky's the limit on the facets of our diaspora and we're only at the beginning of this I appreciate you two immensely for your passionate, educational deep dive into black film. Your podcast has become a necessary necessary tool for me as a writer. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Monique. That was very thoughtful. That was a very thoughtful yeah. uh, email. Do you have any thoughts on her feedback there? I, I agree with her. You, you know, as, as I mentioned before, I have very mixed feelings about Leslie Jones. Actually, since that taping, I've had I have very mixed feelings about Tiffany Haddish. I agree with Monique that we have to we have to be careful mm-hmm. with how we judge. Right. You, you know, these actors. But at the same time, I, I do feel like we should all always critique, you know, but in critique from a place of, of love, a place of seriousness, mm-hmm. a place of, of you know, sober de- deliberation as we try to do. Yes. So I agree with her sentiment. I I, I still have complicated feelings. About both of those actresses. The funny thing is, if, if you listen to it, I, I had much better feelings about Tiffany Haddish and worse feelings about Leslie Jones at that taping. And since that time, the, those feelings have kind of evened out. Really? Yeah, I've, I've been watching clips of, like, I found, like, a little aggregator that does, like, clips from Saturday Night Live now. And, and I like a couple of things I've seen Leslie Jones do. Mm-hmm. That don't fall into that sort of Leslie Jones look at me trying to get this white man that doesn't want me. Right. And, you know, Tiffany Haddish has made some statements and done some things that have made me kind of go eh, since then. But, you know, I, I think it's I think it's hard. I think it's hard. So so it's easy to it's easy to judge sitting here. But at the same time, I'm not going to abdicate judging. No, 
So no, that's that's our rule. But thank you, Monique. Thank you very much. And and I think I I think missionaries like Monique help us to complicate and muddy our conversations in a good way. That's a nice way of putting it. So so keep so keep us on our toes and, and keep adding more voices to this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll give you somebody that you can celebrate, though, Vince. I mean, I'm celebrating Tiffany Haddish. You're celebrating them both. Okay, all right. But the, you, you will celebrate. I, I guarantee you will celebrate this person complication-free. Okay. And that is Cynthia Rivo. Okay. Are you familiar with her? I saw your post. I don't know a lot about her. She, because now I am a Cynthia I Rivo, know. Uh, specialist. That's your jam. She, 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 uh, she... She won many hearts um, in the United Kingdom's production of the Color Purple musical. Yes. Uh, which she performed for a number of years. Yes. And then came over to the United States and again performed on Broadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she would go on to win a Tony Award as well as a Grammy and an Emmy Award for her performances of based on uh from the color purple okay. on television as well it, on um on record and now Steven Spielberg is in talks to adapt the color purple musical into, into a film okay and Cynthia Arrivo is one of the is said to be leading the way as far as the casting choices okay which makes perfect sense because she is a fantastic singer um i've seen her clips on youtube uh i saw actually her clips from the um trouble at the el royale something yeah. that came out like this summer and when i heard she was like the best thing in the movie and watching those clips i can easily see why she just she 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 kills it fantastic phenomenal voice but that is not all she is a beast Acting wise, because she's very naturalistic, very just very just spot on mm-hmm. uh, as, as an actor. Because I saw her in what to me is the best movie of 2018. Uh, she, she's in Widows. Widows. Okay, all right. First of all, she is outstanding. Okay, in Widows. In, in what is essentially a very small part okay. in the film. I mean, she's an integral to the to the movie. But it's but in the scheme of things, it's a smaller it's a smaller role. But it just speaks to her presence that she does stand out so okay, much. Excellent. But widows for it is just like hands down like an excellent thriller. You know, good action, meaty, meaty um, uh, acting roles for you know. Um, for for everybody in the cast, especially Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis is just she. She, I mean, like if you had any doubt, you know, you know, and less there should be no doubt of you know this Which, woman's phenomenal talent. Why would you talent. have any doubt at this right. point? But okay. But she is just, like she just crushes crushes the hell out of this movie. Um, she she is is great in this in this film. Uh, Liam Neeson in a very very small role, but still he kills it. He he he. Of course, you know it, everybody knows Liam Neeson's you know bad dude. Still in the movie, you know Michelle Rodriguez. She does great work. Right. Um. Brian Tyree Henry. Or yes. Is, I mean, you know, the second you see him, you like 
hey, that's Paperboy. Right. From Atlanta. Right. But then he opens his mouth and he's no longer Paperboy. Oh. I mean, he, he, he's like fully forms another character. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and his character, as well as. Um, Daniel Kalua's in it, right? Daniel Kalua's in it. Yeah. But the other person I was going to talk about, uh, Colin Farrell. Yes. Brian Tyree Henry and Colin Farrell's character are very steeped in shades of gray in this movie. And it, and it comes out. Um, but Daniel Kalua, that, Daniel Kalua, that's a bad man. I mean, he made, you know, everybody's been talking about, you know, um, Killmonger from earlier in the year. Yeah. From what he did in Black Panther. I guarantee the end of the year, they're talking about Daniel Kaluuya. Okay. Because he he is just, he is, he, his middle name is menacing. He is just crazy. But anchoring, anchoring all of this is Viola Davis and, uh, I want to get her name correct, Elizabeth Debicki. Okay. This this extreme striking woman who I honestly I'm not not familiar with, mm-hmm. um, but it is asked in a role that is at one time is a little sheepish and is one time is a little um, a little bold to pretty much go toe to toe with Viola Davis in this movie and she does not back down. Okay. And neither does Viola Davis and that just makes for some very electrifying uh cinema on the screen. Um the director Steve McQueen. Yeah. This yeah. is his follow up to 12 Years a Slave which yeah. is which is not where you think he would go. Right. After after 12 Years a Slave and some of his other work. But um this is this just Killer, spot on, not too long. The, the all of the action and the and the drama in it makes absolute sense. So there's no type of like, like there's there's no there's no there's no artifice to it. There's nothing right. artificial. Everything feels very authentic. It's just a really cracking good movie. I, I, and I and you need to go see it. The it the on my list. the missionaries y'all yeah. need to go see it. Do not wait for Netflix. Do not wait for Amazon Prime, HBO, Showtime, whatever. Go see this on a big screen. Widows, do yourself a favor. You will not be disappointed. All right, got the Michelle Mission stamp of approval. Yes. All right. Back to the emails. I'm sorry. Right. Also, I think she's starring in the Harriet Tubman film that they're filming right now, or they're about to film in Virginia. Viola? No. Um, oh, Cynthia Riva? Yeah. Yes. yes, she is. I think she's playing Harriet Tubman. <sighs> so there you go. Wow. Mm. There you go. I'm trying to see Harriet Tubman built like Cynthia Erivo. Because Cynthia Erivo is, she is a physical specimen. Okay. Like, if you check out her Instagram training photos, like, like pictures and videos. <sighs> Woo! All right. Woo! Where was I? Okay. Back to the letters. Back to the letters. Uh, Maurice Poplar. Hey, what's up, Maurice? Hey, gents. What do you think of racially blind casting and revisionist history? Uh, uh, the new movie Overlord, a World, yeah. World War II action horror film about Americans killing German no- zombies, stars a black dude. Yes. Giovanna Debu plays the lead as an American soldier, and Bokeem Woodbine, there he is y'all, again, there's Bokeem Woodbine. makes an appearance. I know y'all remember there were no obviously black soldiers fighting on the American side during World War II, so this strikes me as interesting. On the one hand, black actors are working. Yes. But on the other, 
what does it mean to rewrite history? Because y'all know people don't read no books. Right. For the new year, either MLK Day or Black History Month, I recommend the Vernon Johns story. I'm sure y'all remember this fiery pastor arrested on the pulpit in Montgomery, Alabama for preaching against a lynching. He would be replaced by a cooler, calmer Martin Luther King Jr. James Earl Jones plays the lead in 1994, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a producer. Keep doing what you do, Maurice. Thank you, Maurice. Well, what do you think, Lynn? About the revisionist casting and black soldiers and these World War II things. Well, racially blind casting, I think, is a good thing. Yes. I, 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 can't, I can't knock that. I don't have any problem with that. But in his, historical. And, in histor- and, and revisioning history, I mean, I mean it's, so, it's, a, it's historical fiction. There's, 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 I mean, like, comic books, a lot of comic books are re- historical fiction. Right. You read Captain America. Right. Captain right, America right. did not fight the Nazis. Right. Captain America did not fight the Nazis. It's historical fiction. Right. The Justice Society did not fight the Nazis. So you don't mind it then? I don't mind it. Okay. I mean, I saw it. I mean, um, there's some places where it 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 um, works, some places where it doesn't. Right. Um, I'm thinking of particular one that comes to mind, and I'm trying to, uh, what's the name of the movie now? Oh, the... Um, the the Quentin Tarantino movie, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yes, it, historical fiction. Historical fiction. You know, Django Unchained. Django Unchained. Historical fiction. Historical fiction. So I, I I don't see that. That's not revisionist history. Sure. It's just historical fiction. I mean, revision revisionist history is to rewrite history right. as if this were true. Right. Nobody's saying that there were really German zombies. Right. So it's so, not revisionist So if we accept history. the German part, the German zombies part, we shouldn't have a problem with black soldiers. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. If if it's if it's something fantastic, like like you said, um, you, you you know, because of course we can't go an episode without bringing up comics. That was always the thing about the Howling Commandos in Marvel mm-hmm. and Sergeant Rock right. in DC Comics that they both had. Black soldiers. Uh, Gabe Jones is in the Howling Commandos, and I think I forget the soldier's name in Sergeant and Easy Company. I think it was Jackie. So I think yeah. he was supposed to. Anyway, the funny thing is, it comes up periodically mm-hmm. when they. I know uh, Brian Azzarello did a Sergeant Rock series uh, about a decade ago, and it was a more serious view on the. And he said that. The, the black soldier wouldn't be part of easy company because that wouldn't be historically accurate. And, you know, I have to say, and I've said it before, that's why I don't really need to see a whole lot of world war two, anything mm. because it's, you know, this weird fetish America has with world war two. And so it's just very white. And so, you know, I don't have a problem with it, but then I'm also not really going to watch it. But if it's something fantastic like like you said with zombies and and robots and I mean, well, hell, why not have some black soldiers? I actually like how Captain America, the first Avenger, handled it, where they were just a, a, a group of of prisoners, and then after the battle, Captain America basically said, "This is my squad," right? And you know, Gabe was part of the squad because he knew German and and 
in French. Right. So, but does this mean that the dirty doesn't make, doesn't make? Well, no, because they were prisoners. Right. So Jim Brown was right. Just right. They were of, just it's just okay. a hodgepodge of prisoners. Okay. No. But right. I, I think it. I think my very official answer is it depends. Yeah, that's what it sounds you like go. you're saying. More, <laughs> more, more along those the, right, it right, depends right. lines. It depends. Mm. But I also say that when they have these all white World War II greatest generation things that like give Tom Hanks and Ron Howard really sweaty upper lips, like they make one of these movies every five years, I'm never going to watch them. Really? You didn't, you didn't, so you didn't watch or you didn't enjoy Saving Private Ryan? Oh, no, no, no. But I think I was finished. That was it. Right. Like I've watched all of them that I'm going to watch. I feel you on that because I, I'm along those same lines and and I think it was around those same, around that same time. It was a combination of Saving Private Ryan and then watching uh, the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers. Right, right. Like I said, it's like Ron Howard and Tom Hanks get real erect talking about this stuff all the time. And every five years, it's some with some white dudes in World War II and they real brave as if they're not going to come home and enforce segregation and be racist. But, you know, everything doesn't have to be for everybody. <laughs> Moving on. I'm glad to see that a number of people enjoyed the two shows that we put out over the holiday. Hell, I enjoyed them. (laughs) (laughs) We put out our review of Higher Learning. Yes. Where we sat down with Joe, speaking of comic books. Yes. Comic book professionals Joe Illich and N. Stephen Harris. Oh, what a good time. That was a fun time. What a good time. That was a very good time. Uh, at Butch and Coco. At Butch and Coco. And then after the, after that, we sat down with Omar Dorsey <laughs> and Dorian Missick. Right. Talked for an hour. <laughs> Talked for an hour. And then Lynn said, we should probably take an episode. <laughs> we are here to do a show. <laughs> so at this point, I will press record. Butch and Coco is looking at us like... Now, y'all know we're going to close in an hour and 10 minutes, right? <laughs> so, now that y'all got your Hollywood talk out, <laughs> all this stuff not suitable for broadcast. Oh, my goodness gracious. We did a great show with Dorian Missick and we Omar did. Dorsey we reviewing did. Dolomite. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all four of them, just really good guys. They really were. Like, like just really good guys. Yeah. And, and, you know, I enjoy, like, I enjoy their company. I did, too. Like, I really did, so. I did, too. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Omar. Thank you, Dorian. And we certainly look forward to doing it again. Well, we do. Yeah. We do. Well, we, we nailed down that Omar and Dorian will be reviewing the entire Dolomite yes, yes, yes. filmography yes. with us. Um, so we don't know when that'll be coming yeah. up, ladies and gentlemen. But it'll but be coming. It'll be coming. All right. And uh, and this does not preclude because you know what, you know we've had Dorian and Simone on together. Yes. It would be. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had with Omar and his wife. You know the who is you know right right knew about the funk bands knew about the funk band knew about James Ingram right right you know I knew I don't even want to talk about the movies I know like, yeah. let's talk about funk bands I mean I actually. 
we probably don't even need Omar. Ah, so if we could just see. we could just get a conversation <laughs> with Mrs. Dorsey. Yes, yes, yes. We can do Cleveland area funk bands. There we go. There you go. That's, that's, it's like a binge lounge. That would be interesting. We've never had a guest on a bench lounge. We've never had a guest Maybe on a Maybe we'll bench have lounge. Mrs. Dorsey on right, right. for just a bench lounge. Because they're, they're so well structured. <laughs> it's difficult to see how you add another voice to a bench lounge. But that might be the exercise. So, so you know, it's like a Christopher Nolan film. Like, like it's so intricately kind of fit together. Bit by bit, piece by piece, that it's difficult to see how you add another voice to a bench lounge. But we can see what we're going. We see what we can do. All right, I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Uh, let's so go into our Facebook group real quick. Um, we got a couple of uh, shout outs and news from people. George Carmona, let us know that Luthor is back with a bang. Yes, sir. That's right. Idris Elba, ladies and gentlemen, returns for another season. I believe this is set to be the last and final season of Luther, his um, his uh, tortured private detective. I can't believe that they got him back for this season. Do you have you ever watched Luther? Oh, I love Luther. Like I watched Luther. Yeah. And I've enjoyed Luther. Yeah. But Luther, it it just became a little bit too dour for me i mean it's british and i never finished well, it's real british well, well wait a minute wait a minute luther british is real british well, british doesn't have to equal dour no but but they no one does dour like them well that's true well this is too dour yeah then this is too british then. okay yeah because like i i you know i like it i like myself some idris yeah but i couldn't hang with luther yeah yeah i, I enjoy luther a great deal but you're right it is it's bleak yeah it is bleak I don't know, man. Right, right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Markham Lee suggested... Hey, what's up, Markham? He suggested... He has a binge lounge suggestion for us. Okay. A deep dive on the Black Dynamite animated series. Oh, come on. Because they they went to some very subversive places. Come on. Come on. I like that. For example, the episode where they have a Woody Allen analog who they call the child molester looking mofo which put them ahead of the curve as the episode came out around the time the allegations were getting a lot of attention a few years ago but since it's animated it had to be filmed prior yeah same thing with bill cosby that bill cosby episode is bananas episode where they kept saying who left these date rape drugs lying around? Oh my god. Was Bill Cosby here? Oh my god. Again, ahead of the curve. Oh my god. At least once every couple of months, I watch the O.J. Simpson episode mm. and that damn Michael Jackson episode. Come on! <laughs> you want me to hit it harder, cream corn? How hard should I hit it, cream corn? <laughs> should I hit this hard? <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael Jackson. I'm sorry. Oh, I know you're sorry. You're the sorriest record that ever lived. Don't you ever talk to Michael Jackson like that when he's making music with Quincy Jones. Oh. 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 Oh, God. Oh, he's from the planet Mama Say Mama Sa Mama Kusa. Mama Say Mama Sa Mama Kusa. Mama Say Mama Sa Mama Kusa. Oh. I don't know how the Jackson family did not sue the hell out of them over that episode. Y'all made 
Soul Train on Soul Train. Ridiculous. Oh my God. Yes, Markham. I think that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> All right. Um, Greg Sims. Hey, what's up, Greg? So I'm listening to David Allen Greer on Quest Love Supreme. Okay. And he reveals Denzel Washington was supposed to be one of the five heartbeats? That is insanity. To which uh, Phil, Phil Wasoba says, yes, I could see that. Denzel and Townsend were homies back in the day. I think they're still cool now. And, so I, and I know that they were close back then. Uh, Van Everett said, I checked that out. The original cast also would have had Damon and Keon Wayans. I don't think that combination would have produced the same results as the cast they finally went with, Denzel included. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with Van there. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah, a, Dan, yeah. I'm a Danzel fan. No, he he would have thrown the whole balance off. Yeah, yeah, he, the whole balance would have been thrown off. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, no, I, I don't. Plus, I don't like all this alternate casting that threatens the casting of Leon. I think Leon would have still gotten a role. Okay, I don't be messing with Leon. I think Leon would have still gotten a role. Leon is an American treasure. I think Leon would have probably. That probably would have... Okay, if they had cast Denzel, what role do you think Denzel would have had? I'm assuming Denzel would have played Leon's role. Well, they're saying that possibly Denzel and Keenan Ivory Wayans. So you got to figure that... Ke- I'm figuring Keenan Ivory Wayans would have been playing Harry Lennox's role. I'll, uh, yes. So that, to me, kicks Leon over to Eddie Kane. Which he can do because he played... Because um, he played David Ruffin. He played David Ruffin in The Temptations. Yes. Which is my favorite Leon role. I am David Ruffin and these are The Temptations. <laughs> oh, we are taking Vince all the way back. All the way back. He is having a good time. Robert Monroe wrote in... Re- hey, what's up, Robert? In regards to our higher learning episode. Yes. He said, this was a great episode, and Stephen Harris was spot on about Lawrence Fishburne imitating Dr. Van Sertima. Uh, Sertima. Sertima, excuse mm-hmm. me. I took a couple of classes with him when I was at Rutgers, and when I saw higher learning, I picked up on that accent right away. That's a, That was a good catch. It was a very good yeah, catch. Yeah, that was a good catch. And, and <laughs> you know, we, we kind of joked and talked about the pre-show conversation with Omar and Dorian. That that damn in Stephen Harris has lived a life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that pre-show conversation. Right. I, I we had to check for FBI bugs. <laughs> Cause he was giving he was giving us like whoa he was giving us the panama tapes oh my goodness i was like whoa steve (laughs) you never know you would never ever know so yes but that was a great catch Mm. i've been certain my catch i am i am i am i am i am i'm 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 not messing with steve anymore (laughs) i used to i used to like like playfully joke around with steve he he, he no joke no (laughs) no 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 Mm-mm. He can have all my cornbread. (laughs) 
Uh, in regards to um, higher learning, Markham Lee had a couple of thoughts. Did anyone else find Christy Swanson's storyline in higher learning to be somewhat homophobic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought this, yeah, go Markham's ahead. reasoning. One, LB, LGBTQT women are often told that if they meet the right guy, they would be straight. Right. Two, they're often told that they're just reacting to abuse, assault, etc. And once they recover. Right, right. Three, women who are openly feminist protest patriarchal structures on college campuses are often accused of being gay as a sort of slur. Singleton's narrative combines all of those things. She's raped, then while recovering, dates a girl, then discovers she's not really into it when she meets a nice guy. Did I mention I hate this movie more than Len hates The Last Dragon? Ooh, that's a lot of hate. Ooh, that's, that's a great deal of hate. Yeah, yeah, we went back and forth a little bit about that. I think he makes great points. I do, I do think the movie was m- more ambivalent than he's saying yeah. about her ending up with the guy. Because I got the sense that she was dating both of them. Yeah, I got to say she was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very much a 90s movie. It is. Like, like it, it very much, that aspect of it does not age that well, so. Very much. That, yeah, yeah very those, true. you know, good points. But good points. Very good points. Uh, all right. And uh, there was, see, I, I don't want to go on too long, but um, on our Facebook group, I invite you all to go check it out. There is a post from Alara Tozen. Hey, what's up, Alara? From um, Roni Malco. Uh, Roman. <laughs> yeah. Roman Malco. I, it's always, it, is he Romani or Romani? Or... I always say Romani. Romani. Romani Malco, the actor. The ageless actor. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, that black's not even planning on cracking. No. And, and, I, and, I th- and I'm, I'm pretty sure... He was in Oscar Micheaux's first movie. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed like Pharrell. Him and Pharrell Williams. Mm, yeah, he may have Pharrell by 10 years. <laughs> uh, but he, pays, he, he he did a video. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, the, the link is on our Facebook group. But he put a video out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's about 35 minutes long. But it talks about um, community building. Uh, and it's a very excellent um, video. I thought a great deal of it. Catrice Greer said that he gave some excellent advice about focus and community building in this video. I didn't realize that he is so funny, interesting, and smart. I think he is a talented actor, but this was a lovely treat to have a glimpse of him as a human being, a cool person. Yeah, he seems like a good guy. He does. He does does seem like a, a, a good guy. And he is another one of those actors that just always... Uh, shows up and just does yeoman work, um, and brings something to it. Does bring something right, to makes it, it pop. Yes, yeah, he does. absolutely. Yes, he does. So he's always a pleasure to see. Um, I'm, I'm just, I, I would be very curious as exactly how old he is. I'm not going to look it up because I just want to be pleasantly surprised. Right, right. You know, because I have a funny. Plus, feeling. you don't want to get pulled into some type of weird worldwide Highlander conspiracy type situation. But, well, look. Watch all that poking around. He, I mean, you know, the man. Have you seen the man? Yes. Yeah, bust through these windows and chop your head off. <laughs> then what? Speaking of those actors. <laughs> Speaking of chopping people's heads off. Like, whoa, man. Highlander's a movie. Go ahead. 
we had spoken about that in December. Yes. We were going to uh, turn over our shows as um, in celebration of the gifts that keep on giving. Yes. You know, just one of those actors. Yes. You know, uh, one of those actors who just shows up in a ton of movies and, you know, you you really just appreciate just seeing them and their whole body of work. Absolutely. And we kind of went back and forth, me and you, in text exactly how we are going to do this. Right. So uh, I feel like, you know, so that we can let people know exactly what the hell we're doing, um, we should probably reach some kind of conclusion of what we're what we're going to do. I, 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 I figured we'd just do four movies in the month of December focusing on one of those actors. Okay. So now we have to decide. Four different th- actors. So it's going to be four different actors. Right, right, right. Okay, so I thought it was going to be one actor. No, and no, then four no, 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 no. Let's, let's I like a plethora of gifts. Okay, so it'll be four films focusing on four actors, and as an example of what they do. Do you know which? I, I'm I'm locked and loaded for next week. So, but you don't want to announce it now. Well, we've never announced a movie now. We haven't even talked about Wild Man Steve. Like, don't think I haven't noticed. We're like forty minutes in, and we. Ain't done. It's almost as if you feel like the six thousand dollar nigga doesn't deserve our cold, sober, extended, critical analysis. Six thousand dollar nigger. What did I say? He's not a nigga. <laughs> He's a nigger. Nigger, right, right, right. Let's get into our review. <laughs> we'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Illegal to smoke marijuana because of the system. The system says it's illegal to smoke marijuana. But when you check it out, the system's wrong. The system says it's illegal to smoke marijuana, yet it's still the same system saying it's okay for two grown men to have sex together. So that means if you are caught with a joint in your mouth, you better make sure it has two balls on the end of it. <laughs> now don't hit me now, Doctor. Doctor, don't hit me. <laughs> Is he a monster? Is he a wild man? Is the nigga crazy? Hell no! He's just what I spent my six thousand dollars for. I've got myself a six thousand dollar nigga. How do you feel, Steve? How do you feel? The $6,000 nigger or super soul brother 
1978 film, stars Wild Man Steve, who plays a bum who agrees to allow an experimental drug to be administered to him. What he doesn't realize is that the doctor who's doing the experiment is a criminal trying to create an unstoppable thief that's immune to bullets. Steve gains all of the powers that Superman has, and after getting his revenge against all those who have harassed him on the street, discovers the truth about the doctor's plan for him. Again, 1978's The $6,000 Nigger, a.k.a. Super Soul Brother, directed by Renee Martinez with a script by Laura Diaz and Renee Martinez stars along with wild man Steve or as his government name Steve Gallen a plethora of actors that you've never heard of Jocelyn Norse Benny Lattimore Peter Conrad Lee Cross and Wild Savage this again was not the choice of Vincent Williams (laughs) But was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what would you like to say as our conversation begins about the $6,000 nigger, a.k.a. Super Soul Brother? First, you have to fully appreciate <laughs> who Wild Man Steve is. <laughs> Wild Man Steve, or by his government, Steve Gallen Jr. Jr. His father must have been so proud. Was an American comic entertainer, a radio personality, promoter, and recording artist. Yes. Were you aware of this, Vince? I was. He was born in Florida. Monticello, okay. Florida. He seems to be like exact. a Florida dude. What's that? He mean? actually seems like one of the wild Florida dudes. My uncle is from Florida. Florida is ooh. What? Anyway, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, he was born in Florida, but in the 1930s, he moved to Waterbury, Connecticut, which is where he attended school. He would join the Navy. Oh, okay. And fight in Korea. Oh, all right now. He was also a Golden Gloves boxing champion. Because why not? Of course, why not? But he would then return to Connecticut. And get involved in local radio. And as one people want to do in radio, this is around the 50s, he moved from town to town. He went from Hartford to Bridgeport to Providence before joining a station in Boston, Massachusetts in 1958 called WILD. Wild. <laughs> All right. This is where he acquired his sobriquet, the Wild Man Steve. Wild Man Steve. And... Along with his radio appearances, he started performing in local clubs alongside Flip Wilson, Pig Meat Markham, yeah, yeah, and Red Fox, all of whom would encourage him to work full time as a comic, which is what he would soon do. Okay, under the moniker of Wild Man Steve, he would then move back to Florida. <laughs> Florida was calling him. It was calling, as Florida is wont to do. Yes. All that swamp and lawlessness. It was there at the radio station WMBM. He became, I guess that's radio bowel movement. (laughs) (laughs) This came to my mind. (laughs) I'm just just hearing farts. Um, Nice. 
there he became one of the, the most popular radio personalities in the region where he worked alongside his partners, Milton Butterball Smith and Carlton King Coleman. He would establish a reputation as a promoter and an MC, bringing to Miami all of the top entertainers, including Jerry Butler. All right, the Iceman. Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes. All right. And the King of by now. And the King of Soul himself, James Brown. All right. Artist working man in show business. He recorded several albums before uh, with other comedians before striking out on his own with his 1969 comedy albums Shacking Up and My Man the Wild Man. All right. Apparently, or reportedly, this was the first party album by a black comedian to reach the album charts on both Cashbox and Billboard. That is crazy. This led to uh, a series of further party albums noted for their risque and explicit content. His albums included such, such hallmark titles as Wild, 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 King of them all, eating ain't cheating, <laughs> do not disturb. He would then go on to star in movies. He starred in a great many movies events. Are you aware of this about Wild Man Steve? I am indeed. Wild Man Steve in 1976 would star in the movie Ain't That Just Like a Honky. <laughs> oh, the 70s. In 1977, he would star in The Guy from Harlem and have a role in Petey Wheatstraw. The Devil's Son-in-Law. Alongside comedian and friend Rudy Ray Moore. And then we get to 1978. Yes. And the $6,000 nigger. Yes. Where wild man Steve decides to take it upon himself to build a movie franchise for himself. All right. Based on a character, a homeless drunk who would acquire the powers of Superman. Okay. Or so the film would have us believe. Yes. In fact, what he does acquire in the film is a couple of suits, <laughs> some very wide collared shirts. Yes, sir. The wider, the better. And if the look of astonishment upon one of the actresses is to be believed an amazing penis. Yes. This film directed by Renee Martinez Jr. purports to be an action comedy. Yes. Filled with nonstop action and nonstop hilarity. And what do you think of it? This may have been singularly the worst movie <laughs> that we have watched in 137 episodes of the Me Show Mission. You've said that maybe two or three times now. Like, just when you think we've hit rock bottom, if, somebody hands you a shovel. Exactly. <laughs> just when you think you've reached the lowest of the low, Wild Man Steve is right there. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out now. <laughs> There is absolutely no <laughs> redeeming qualities 
about this film. Uh, Remember how you and Omar would opine about how yes. Dolomite started yes. with the camera slightly uh, askew yeah, oh yeah. and half the screen being blocked? Uh-huh. Imagine, if you will, the opening of The $6,000 Nigger, where we come upon a young woman in a laboratory. It's a lab. That immediately jump cuts. <laughs> to a, a little person as a, as a, as a doctor? I, I believe a little person is what we'll be talking about throughout this episode. Oh. Using the term little person, because I believe that is the acceptable term. Yes. Okay. So yes, to a to a, a little person doctor. A, yes, a, a, yes, a, a doctor who has been cast <laughs> by a little person actor, <laughs> an actor who's a little person. God. Oh my god! This movie. I mean, where do I begin on this movie, Vince? There, there is. There's the little guy who's the doctor. Little person. Little person. Yeah. He, you know, who is talking about how he's doing this for science. There's, there's, there is, I believe that's Benny Lattimore. Oh, that's Benny Lattimore. Uh, Benny Lattimore as, um, oh, I, I'm not even sure exactly what, what role Benny Lattimore plays, but he he, he plays Bob. I was going to say, Bob. <laughs> he's, he's Bob the Gangster. Bob the Gangster. <laughs> Bob the Gangster. Um, he, and he's he's got like a gold tooth. He's got the queasiest mop of hair on his head. He's got like these handlebar, handlebar mustache, sideburns, and he's got a gun stuck. I think it's in his zipper. I don't know where it is. It's just sticking. It. Oh yeah. How you gonna how you gonna wrap how you gonna wrap your head around this, Lynn? There's only there's only a, I have, look. <laughs> You know, I, I want to give like a sober review of this movie. Yes. I really do. And, and, but the, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I made you watch this movie. Well, here, here are my observations. Yes. Of the $6 million nigger, a.k.a. Super Soul Brother. One, I don't even know if I would call them sets. Because I think these are actually people's houses. Yes. And like, that looks like an actual lab in like a high school. Oh, you thought so? Well, I guess so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and, and I, you know, as, as someone, we talk about sets and we've talked about sets and the lack of, of authenticity in sets. Like, they look like actual places. That's true. Like, That's these true. all look like they were filmed in actual houses and actual places. And, you know, part of that is because, you know, obviously they couldn't afford sets. No. Two, <laughs> the heist that they pull. God bless you. Where he steals the safe. You know what I wrote in my notes? So there's a heist they pull in a jewelry shop because... Steve has these superpowers, and the whole plan is for him to lift 2,000-pound 
safes. Yes. And then walk out with them. The plan that they pull where the doctor and his girlfriend distract the salespeople, this is a less convoluted plot than the one that they had in Lyft. You're right. You're right. Like I actually said, you know what? As far as a plot goes to steal this safe and they're a distraction, this isn't bad. Oh, oh, this was bad. I mean, as a plot. Like if you told me this was the plan, I'd go, all right, that's not a bad plan. Three or C. I don't know if I started with letters or numbers. Who's keeping track? I found it strangely progressive, but then somehow even more bizarre that this little person is playing the doctor and clearly it's played for laughs that he's a little person. Mm Mm-hmm. But there are never actually any jokes about it. Like, there's one joke where he's there with the woman, and, and he's with his, his girl, and he basically says that she's poking him in the eye with yeah. her breast. Yeah. That is the only quote-unquote midget joke in the whole movie. Right. Which I kept waiting for, because this is not high comedy. Like, like this, is, this is real low-budget, low-grade comedy. But I found that strangely interesting that there weren't more jokes well, I think, about him. I think the joke was his name because his name was Dr. Dippy. But see, Dr. Dippy has nothing to do with him being a little person. No, that's true. So I found that kind of strange. And then finally, and I'm so glad that you said this was the worst film that we've seen. Because what I infer from that is that you are acknowledging that Dolomite is better than this. Yes. I think this film is a great example of it's not as easy as it looks. Mm-hmm. It's not, as you mentioned, Wild Man Steve was affiliated with Rudy Ray Moore. Apparently he was in Petey Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son-in-Law. I don't remember him, but apparently he was in it. And you get the sense that Renee Martinez and company thought that they were going to make a Rudy Ray Moore type film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's basically Wild Man Steve is an anime. I mean, you said it. You, you see the company he keeps. It's Rudy Ray Moore. It's Pigmeat Markham. You know, you think of Leroy and Skillet. Like these party record kind of post Chitlin Circuit comedians. And I'm going to take one and I'm going to make me a movie around him, much like Rudy Ray Moore has done. You know, by 78, he's made all four of the movies that are like his, yeah. you know, dare I say, classic <clears throat> films. And it's not as easy as it looks, is it? No. You know? So I guess those are my main observations for it. I also think that he's following in the wake of Rudy Ray Moore, too. True. But I also think that he's. It, following in the wake at this point in 78 of um, Richard Pryor and kind of like because with when Richard Pryor really starts making his movies around the mid 70s late late 70s early 80s it's right then at the pretty much the end of black exploitation but the turn of it to more to comedy there is no way in hell Renee Martinez thought that he was reaching for Richard Pryor. No, but I think that's what Wildman Steve 
in his mind. Wild man Steve thinking. thought maybe he well, wild man Steve well, is, is good to think highly of yourself. Cause he is not funny. Like for something that purports to be funny, he's not funny at all. And and again, back to you know, to bring Rudy Ray Moore into it, we talked about this a little bit, where I don't really understand Rudy Ray Moore's comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I love the Dolomite movies, but the comedy part where we're like they show him doing his stand up, I don't understand how it's funny. Right. And I think Wild Man Steve kind of tries to transpose his comedy into in, into this character. And it's not funny. And it's not funny. He's not a funny character. It's not a funny character. Like, all of the energy, all of the absurdity that you get with the Dolomite movies, it's not in this. Like, that energy just isn't there. So that even at an hour and 20 minutes, it feels really long. Oh, which, oh, to yeah. me, is is the 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 worst indictment of all when we talk about it it's boring mm-hmm. you, you know it gets boring so that um because we're almost an hour in before he gets his powers before he gets his powers and then when he gets his powers like we've been waiting this whole thing as you said there's not a lot of payoff no you, you know there's an implication that he has his super penis he picks up this cardboard safe twice <laughs> Yes. And then he picks up a cardboard boulder. And then they, you you know, there's a scene where Bob shoots them and they have like pebbles bounce off of them. Oh, I couldn't even see what was bouncing off of him. Yeah. It was so. And and he also has to enact his revenge on his, on the drunk guys. Right, right, right. Beat him up in the beginning. Beat him up in the beginning. But it's just a weird, you know, it's just one of these weird, strange curios from this moment and and again i think it makes you appreciate like you hear these guys like again you hear these names leroy skelly you know you see him on sanford and son and you know pigmeat markham was on laughing a couple of times and you kind of see him and i think it's easy to almost be dismissive of them but then you see someone like wild man steve and you realize just how good some of these other guys are I guess is what I may have taken from this. Like this made me respect Lawanda Page, Pygmy Markham, Leroy and Skillet, Rudy Ray Moore, like all of these guys, their craft more because this this was terrible, yeah, and boring, and boring, and 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 that's the worst of it. It's boring. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's bo- Dolomite is a bad movie. It's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But if you take your hat off. You're sitting there with a bunch of people. You can laugh at it. Right. Oh, yeah. You can't laugh at this movie. It is just... Bo- that's the that's the ultimate crime of this film. I, I mean, listen to our episode on Dolomite. We can hardly get through the damn episode. Right. Just cracking up, thinking about, talking about this movie. It's, it's, no, it's, it's nothing... There's nothing here. It's nothing here. Nothing here at all. Except... A funny title. Except a funny title. Which is definitely a product of his time. Because you could not release a movie called The 6,000 
dollar nigger now. And actually, I knew that it was also called Super Soul Brother, and I started to like you know promote this as right. Super Soul Brother. But IMDb, oh yeah, has has it listed yeah. under the title, which is there in the title when the movie comes on. The $6,000 nigger. Right. So that's... And it's probably worth mentioning, because we do have younger listeners, that that title is a play on The Six Million Dollar Man, which was a television show in the 70s with Lee Majors. A white man. A white man. And, and, you know, the the other part of this, he actually has an album called The $6,000 Nigger. And he has a wild whole, man Steve, right? Wild man Steve does, and he has this whole bit, and he starts with, you know, it took them six million dollars to make a white man, and he goes on, but you know, nigga, you only need six thousand dollars, and then he spins this tale of a black man having a plane crash in in Africa, and then they take all these animal parts and sew it to him, and it's amazingly offensive and borderline racist, but the irony is his bit is a million times more interesting and more entertaining than this film is. Really? It really is. Like, he has this whole bit, you know, he gets his arms cut off, and they replace his arms with gorilla arms, and and his eyes, or they replace his eyes with, like, some type of animal's eyes, and then, of course, you know, they replace his penis with an elephant trunk. Oh, boy. And then it kind of goes from there. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? As a bonus to our um, podcast listeners... <laughs> We will put on Wild Man Steve's six million dollar nigger bit. Okay, at the end of the show. Yeah, on on the podcast. Only on the podcast. We can't have the elephant penis on the radio. No, no. Just elephant penis. No, 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 no. no, That is we want a cami. (laughs) (laughs) And we would like to keep. (laughs) So we will not be challenging Mr. FCC (laughs) of any elephant penis. (laughs) <laughs> on WPPM or WKD. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. I want to give Wild Man Steve Gallen some props, though. Okay. In his later years, Wild Man Steve would contribute to very many charitable activities in Miami, particularly, oh. particularly those working with unemployed people. Um... And in 2002, the city of Miami would give him the Cultural Ambassadors Award for his services to the entertainment industry and his promotion around the world. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, he seems like he was one of them guys. Like, he was very much in the mix. Yeah, he was. You know, and like I said, his bit is better than the movie. Maybe maybe the movie lets him down mm. or, or lets his talent down. But um, He passed away in... Uh, in 2004. Right, right. And you were watching the clip when I walked in. He was on Def Comedy Jam. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. And he's definitely, you know, a man of his time. Absolutely. But that Def Comedy crowd, he's got him in the palm of his hands. I, I mean, by the time he's on Def Comedy, I mean, he's like this. This is But a, he's seasoned. This is a seasoned craftsman. Yeah, by then. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. when, again, a lot of the Def Comedy Jam comics not all of them but more than a few were just sort of look at my dick look at my dick look at my dick and then they jump up and down and make monkey noises right so, so he definitely would stand out right right like he's yeah. an actual stand-up and you could tell he, he's got a tux on and right 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 it's, it's a different era right you know what i mean so um 
Would you recommend to people uh, check out this film? I would not recommend that people check out this film. Unless, again, they use it as a contrast hmm. to the work of someone like Rudy Ray Moore. Do you really need the contrast? I mean, I don't think you do. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think you do. But, but yeah, there's no reason to watch this. I'm, I don't think people need to yeah. watch it. However, if you are going to seek out this film, ladies and gentlemen, it's available. You can find it. You can find it. However, I do want to give you this this one uh, piece of advice. Okay. Uh, don't look for a uh, an HD quality. <laughs> version. Did you see when you rented it? Did you see you had the option to rent it in HD? Yes. Did you rent it in HD? Hell no. Oh, okay. I was like, why in the hell would I rent this in HD? But if you don't know any different. If you're just like of that mind, like, hey, I want to watch it. I got an HD TV. I want to watch everything in HD. Watch it in so HD. you're watching it in HD. And, and like the second it comes on, you see all the popcorn popping all in this, in this film and the, and the jump cuts and, and you know, and your mama, your, your Uncle Ray Ray is editing. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. Yeah, don't, don't, don't look at the HD version. You know, it's an hour and 20 minutes, but it's not fun. Like usually, like usually, I can you know. Oh, it's fun, you know. Drink three beers and then eat some. Wind, but it's it's not like I have to say. I was my attention was drifting off. I drifted off. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I had to come back a couple of times. And again, I love this kind of stuff. All right, so all right. Well, so there no, you go, ladies and gentlemen. We're not recommending the six thousand dollar nigger. No, and and in many ways, you can say we gave you a piece of coal. But as we move into December, now it's time to give gifts. Yes, we got gifts. Gifts that keep on giving. Uh, Before we get into our gift for next week, we invite you all to check out our show. It's available as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM LP 106.5 FM Philly Cam. People Power Media here in Philadelphia and Camden. And you can spend your Monday mornings with me show on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University here in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. Our show is available as a podcast for your download and streaming pleasure on MeShowMission.com where you can catch all of our episodes. We're also available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, any place and every place that you find podcasts, including Podglomerate, the beautiful home of curated podcasts just for you. If you like our show, please give us a ranking and a rating on the podcast catcher of your choice. Believe me, that helps other people find our show. And please follow follow us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Me Show Mission, and join the Facebook group Me Show Mission, where we get it in with all of our fans having a really good time bugging out. I pop in there every once in a while, but Vince has a running commentary which with each and every one of them. They all love Vince. They tolerate me because I'm the one that puts up the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, any other pieces of business? I think you've covered all the business. Then we are on to the business of gifts. All right. And next week, we will be giving you a gift by way of Vince, which will be? Well, 
as we said, we were going to pull our choices from the recommendations of the missionaries. And one recommendation that caught my eye was one Don Cheadle. Ah, Don Cheadle, who was also had a uh, a very prominent role in a couple of episodes of Hill Street Blues. Don Cheadle was in Hill Street Blues. I actually think I first started paying attention to Don Cheadle in Picket Fences, mm. where he played a lawyer during the later seasons. And he is an actor who very much is a treat, no matter what he's in. Something that you said about other actors or, or, or you know, certain actors that, you know, he is someone that even if he's not in a good project, he always does good work. Yes. And, you know, whether we're talking about something sort of sort of asinine or disposable, almost like Meteor Man, mm-hmm. where he stands out, where, you know, the lost episode, we talk about him in Meteor Man. Yeah, we got to we got to do that. Again. You know, whether we're talking about him in Picket Fences uh, whether you're talking about, you know, his show on HBO, House of Lies, that I don't think anyone watched. That was on me, Showtime. That was on Showtime. So that's why you didn't watch it. Right, you right, on the right, wrong right. channel. Even in the the Marvel movies, which at this point, it you know, it's just factory output. Mm-hmm. I think Don Cheadle always stands out. Yes. And of all of the projects that Don Cheadle has been involved in, I think the one that made all of us say whoa is a film that we have talked about from various angles throughout our tenure here on the Michelle mission captain planet captain <laughs> if you haven't seen don Cheadle and captain planet on funny or die go ahead and do that <laughs> but no not captain planet oh don Cheadle played a supporting role in a film from 1995 from a, a director that we haven't talked about yet. Nope. And then one of this is a director that I'm really, really fond of, Carl Franklin. Mm-hmm. Carl Franklin uh, directed and wrote the screenplay to a film based on a novel by Walter Mosley, starring Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. as well as Jennifer Beals, Tom Sizemore. I am, of course, talking about 1995's Devil in a Blue Dress. Yeah, some good stuff. So, Easy Rollins. Next week, we are going to talk about Devil in a Blue Dress. And if you've never seen Devil in a Blue Dress, and you are one of the missionaries who watches films before the episode... You're welcome. Yeah. So, next week. This will be good. This will be good viewing. Next week, Devil in a Blue Dress. I like this. I like this a lot. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That's coming your way next week here on the Michelle Mission. We do a whole month of Christmas gifts that just keep on giving. Talk about, you know, those actors. Just one of those actors. Next week is Don Cheadle. All right. We got to get out of here. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again.
now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. The following material is rated R and is not suitable for an audience under the age of 17. Six million dollars. Six million dollars. Yes, that's what it costs to make a bionic white man five million dollars that's what it costs to make a bionic white woman three million dollars that's what it costs to make a bionic doll and it only costs six thousand dollars to make a bionic nigga a nigga cost six thousand dollars what happened what did he lose well it's The nigga did not completely get destroyed. The nigga lost his eyes. Nigga lost his arms. And the nigga lost something no nigga can afford to lose. The nigga lost his dick. Can you imagine a nigga without a dick? And the doctors got together and said, what are we going to do with this nigga with no eyes? No arms? No dick. One doctor said, well, we're here in Africa. For his eyes, why don't we take the eyes of a tiger? So be it, they took the eyes of a tiger and gave that nigga some new eyes. Say, what are we going to do about his arms? One doctor said, let's take the arms of a gorilla. The arms of a gorilla, strong black carry-on. And they gave the nigga the gorilla's arm. And then the three doctors got together and said, Now the big question. What we gonna do for a dick for this $6,000 nigga? Doctor said, Well, only one thing I know. We will take the trunk of an elephant. The trunk of an elephant. And we'll make that the nigga's dick. So be it, they took the trunk of an elephant and transplanted it in the place of the nigga's dick and sent his black ass back to Harlem. And two years later, two years later, the doctors ran up on this same nigga walking on 125th Street, walked up to him and said, we are the doctors that made you the $6,000 nigga. We'd like to know how is your eyes? How is your arms? And real personal, how is that dick that we gave you? The nigga said, Doctor, I'm gonna tell you, the eyes are really terrific. On the darkest night, I can see through Central Park. I can see all the way to the Golden Gate Bridge. I can see everything. Doctor said, that's wonderful. What about the arms? He said, Doctor, now that is really terrific. That is so terrific. Before the accident, I was a window washer. Had to use ladders, scaffolds, ropes. But now I can climb the Empire State Building and wash windows anywhere. Doctor said, that's really wonderful. 
Now that personal question, we want to know, what about that dick that we gave you? Nigga said, doctor, doctor, that's where you kind of fucked up. Doctor said, you mean to tell me that we fucked up by giving you the trunk of an elephant, a big, long, strong, heavy-duty dick? He said, doctor, doctor, you really fucked up with that dick that you gave me. Doctor said, $6,000 nigga, $6,000 nigga, tell us what went wrong. He said, doctor, I don't know what went wrong, but every time my dick get hard, it want to eat peanuts. Ah! 